every day. Every day. Every day. I will spend time with God. I will pray. I will pray. 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 I will pray. I will be holy. I will be holy. 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 I will be holy. I will be holy. I will fulfill God's purpose for me and my generation. My generation. My generation. I will fulfill God's purpose. God's purpose for my generation. For me and my generation. My generation. I will live the vow. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16. Put one finger in Matthew chapter 16, and then why don't you put another one in 2 Corinthians 6. Put another finger in Philippians 3. And uh, then put one more finger in Mark 12. All right? Father, we love my kids. Right now I'm in a, in a season right now where I put my 2-year-old, my 4-year-old, my 5-year-old all in the same bathtub and wash all of them at the same time because to do it one at a time is just so hard. So I'm multitasking. And I force all of them to get in the bathtub. I don't even let them get into the big soaking tub. I make them get into the small bathtub because I can't lean over that far because I'm 5'5". Five five. And, so, and so I throw all of them into the little tub. And at the very end you know, of the bathtub, you know what I'm talking about, there's a drain, right? So you got one end, with like it's kind, of, it's kind of sloped, right, like that. You know what I'm talking about in the bathtub? So you got one end that's kind of up here, so the water splashes, and then down here is the little drain right, right there. That's where that works, right? See, my kids call that side, the area where the drain is, they call that the deep end. <laughs> and so I look at it, and I think, you know, that's not that deep, but to them, that's the deep end. I think that's how God looks at us when we're talking about going deep tonight. He's like, you guys are calling that the deep end. That's cute. That's real cute. That's not deep. So anyway, no matter how much we want to go deep, even in our 50, 60, 70 years on the earth, we're barely going to get just a little bit. But we'll take what we can get. We'll go as deep as we possibly can. And obviously, our goal is not to say, well, God, God is so big and God is so deep and God is so much and we can't even fathom him and he's omniscience and his immutability and his omnipresence. It's so complex and it's so much that I won't even try the opposite spirit is the spirit that we want to live in, which is, I know that he is awesome, he is holy, he is unsearchable. 1 Corinthians 2.10 says we can't even, uh, that, he, that the Holy Spirit wants to reveal the deep things of God to us, and so we make it our aim, we make it our goal to go deep. That's our motivation, the fact and the knowledge that there's much to learn and much to know, that, make, that becomes our goal. And so, anyway... Um, I, I, did you put a finger in Genesis 1? Let's put another finger right there. Genesis chapter 1. Let me just read this to you. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Then God blessed them, and God said to them. So he's talking to Adam and Eve, right? Be fruitful and multiply. I, I know, I figured, you know, you're in the in furnace, and so I, I figured you know that it's Adam and Eve in Genesis 1. But if you don't, this is your Bible. Genesis 1 is Adam and Eve, all right? There you go. Bible 101. All right, good. Justin got a master's degree and didn't know that. All right, so uh, then God blessed, just kidding. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed to you, uh, to you it shall be for food. And to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given you green herb for food, and it was so. So here's God talking to Adam and Eve, and he says, everything in this garden, it's all yours. Everything. It's all yours. And so you have Adam and Eve, and they have, in essence, in the beginning, they have everything. It's all there for them. And so you can imagine being... Adam and Eve living in the garden 
All of the food is there for you. Uh, you're there to rule over the animals. You're walking in union and communion with God. The scripture says that Adam would walk with God in the cool of the evening. So they have relationship with God. They have dominion over the earth. It's, it's a good life. And in that time, they've got stuff straight up. They have the food that they need. They have uh, the shelter. They have, they have everything that they need. It's all right there. They're 100% fully taken care of. And then, and then sin enters the world. And they say yes to sin. And when they say yes to sin, then the war-torn creation begins. Then everything changes. Because when sin enters the world, all of a sudden then, then the things that were once good, the things that once were just fantastic and living in the garden and living in the joy and the pleasure of what God has for them, have the potential to become idols. And suddenly we have the pursuit of food can be uh, an idol. Suddenly the desire to, uh, to dominate can become an idol. Suddenly we have all of the things, all of the possessions, all of the stuff that, it, that prior to sin was so good. And now all of a sudden it has the potential to become so bad in the pursuit of it, in the lack, in the overabundance, in the addiction, you name what it is. And so you and I live in a war-torn creation. You and I live in a season now where those things that were, that were so wonderful that are available to us, many turn into idols. And especially in our culture, you and I live in a time where it is so easy to live making some of those things our greatest wants, our greatest desires. And of course, we all have grown up and been around people that use religion or use God in order to get those things. Or they think that if they pursue Jesus, that Jesus then will give them those things. And that ultimately, their end is that they want those things and Jesus becomes the means in order to get those things. But realistically, realistically, we live in a culture then that no longer is everything right as it's supposed to be? No longer is everything in full balance. Now, instead of uh, sexuality being right and good and clean, you have the overabundance of multiple partners, or you have the, all kinds of sexual perversion. Instead of food being what's necessary for the body, we have all kinds of uh, starvation, the lack or the overabundance. In just about every area, and it's a war-torn creation, it's no longer what it's supposed to be. And you and I find in ourselves, in our sin nature, a, a, a fight, that we have to fight that. And no matter how spiritual or no, no matter how long you've been a Christian, every single one of us face it. Every single one of us fight that fight on a daily basis. I see it even in my little, my little kids or who are just little tiny kids. And in this culture, there is a... And placed in front of their eyes, uh, toys and shows, and there's a mine. There's a I want. There's a don't take it. There's a <laughs> and though it's cute when they're not that cute when they're little and they're fighting over stuff. In essence, we have so much of that today. It's all over the place. The uh, coveting is the way that God talks about it. He talks about it in the commandments. This coveting, this covetousness going after it so you have a war-torn creation so once everything was good 
walked with God, had all things. Everything was theirs. Everything. It's all theirs. It's like the Father's house in the Luke 15 story. Everything is theirs. It's all theirs. Then sin enters the world, and the, the, it's frayed. It's messed up. And you and I live in that time. But then good news takes place. You and I know the gospel story. We know about the incarnation of the God-man coming to the earth. God comes to earth, becomes a man for us. And Jesus, in his language, as he offers an invitation to disciples and to others to follow him, he gives us the key of how to get out of the rat race when sin entered the world. He gives us the invitation, but it's a hard invitation. It's not easy. You're familiar with it, Matthew 16, verse 24, when he says, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And Jesus, in essence, comes along and he says, All right, the great way to live is in communion and union with God. The great way to live is with everything in right balance. Sin enters the world. Satan deceives Eve. Eve sins. Sin enters the world. Adam sins. And now we have sin in the world. But then Jesus comes along and Jesus says, I want to give you the invitation into finding life again. And he talks about, if you want life, anyone who wants it, it's available. It's available, but it means giving up all of these things. It means giving up everything to follow me. And we've heard it so many times to give up everything to follow Jesus. But the essence of what the Christian journey is, is Jesus says, all of those things become nothing to you. And in the midst of the war-torn creation, you choose to live an interior life that looks very different than the war-torn exterior life. And he says, I want to invite you in to a journey you leave everything to come after me, then you find life again. So, war-torn creation all around us, but the Christ follower, the one who says, I'll give up it all to follow God. I'll follow the second Adam. I'll follow the one who comes perfect to redeem humans. I'll give you everything. They walk around a war-torn world, but they've got a garden heart on the inside where the world holds nothing on them. Where they're living, choosing. I've chosen Jesus. I've chosen to give all. And in, in so doing, in so doing, in giving everything to Jesus, all to God, everything that they have, they find life. And the aches, the capitalistic culture, the economy of capitalism that works for America but doesn't work for the human heart. It works to keep the economy going, but it shuts down so many people's heart because of the allurement of all the stuff. That, that longing begins to fade as Jesus becomes more present. And that golem, mine, mine, that, that, yeah, the fight, that 
decreases as the desire for Christ increases. But the secret, the secret to getting rid of those passions, and I, you know, you've heard them a million times, the allurement of fashion, uh, pride, um, cars, uh, houses, uh, all the stuff, all the, all the worldly stuff. The secret is not to just try to shut those things down. The secret is to give all to the young rabbi from Galilee who invited you to follow him. And find life. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus inviting you into his invitation to follow him with everything. It's not the endurement of the earth so that you can spend some eternity with him. I came that you might have life, John 10. I came that you might have he actually shows us a better way. He actually shows us a way to live above the war-torn creation that's wrestling with sin in the world. Jesus says in Matthew 5, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who don't have the stuff because they start to understand and get the kingdom. Because in having nothing, they gain all rid of it, they find life. And it's in choosing Christ, it's in choosing Jesus, with all of our hearts. And I have been around college students long enough, and 20-somethings long enough, that sometimes this gets a little bit confusing, because people say, okay, what are you talking about? Are you talking about that I need to pull like a St. Francis of Assisi, and like, you know, give every penny, and every, you know, run out into the, you know... St. Friends of C.C. left and took stripped down, stark naked, and went into the wilderness and said, I'm going to give everything to God? Is that what I'm supposed to do? No. <laughs> what are you talking about? Here's what I'm talking about. We can't put measurements. Everybody wants to put measurements and just tell me what to do. The, the joy of following Jesus is I can't tell you. We're talking about your heart. We're talking, about, we're talking about Jesus is your Lord, not a practical list from a religious guy telling you what to do. That's the joy of being a Christ follower. So I can't sit here and tell Trevor exactly what it looks like for him. That's why it's relationship. It's not just a commandment from some present-day Bible teacher. No Bible teacher ever can, but God can. And Jesus will lead you. And only you, only you, in following and communion and walking with him, will know this is what he wants me to do. This is what it means to give everything. For some people to give everything, it means... It means, you know, surrendering uh, much money. And God calls them to live on little. For others, it may be that they have the mind capacity that they could be, they could get an MBA and become the wealthiest man around, but instead, God's called them to get a, you know, bachelor's degree in theology and go be a pastor somewhere. And one day... We'll find out from Jesus what obedience looks like for all of us. But the person who um, gives away the dollars versus the person that becomes... I just make those examples because the person who goes into theology is never going to get rich unless you go on Christian television and you might. And then I'd be nervous. And so, but anyway... Sorry. Bunny trail. Uh, no matter what, no matter what, one day we'll stand before God and we'll find out what it meant to give everything. What, what everything is. What everything is supposed to be. 
It's like when we look at Abraham. You know, when you look at Abraham, Abraham was rich. You know, Abraham had all this stuff. God had blessed Abraham like crazy. And yet, when God tells Abraham to go sacrifice his son, pretty crazy moment, isn't it? Pretty crazy moment when all your buds are looking at you going, that old Abraham, and he's got everything. And the guy's got more animals, he's wealthy, he's got all the stuff. Abraham possesses everything. But see, the joy about the story of Abraham is that even in the midst of Abraham's wealth, he possessed nothing. Even in the midst of Abraham having it all, when it was time to give up the thing that he loved the most, he said, God, I trust you. We don't know. Scholars talk like the story of Abraham is so mind-baffling about a, a father. God tells Abraham to sacrifice his son. Like, what does that mean? What does that look like? But I'll tell you this. Abraham knows the heart of God. And he says, all right. Rather than getting in, uh, allowing theological knots to go around in my head, I'm going to just be obedient. And I trust the heart of God. Maybe he'll raise him from the dead. Maybe he'll send a ram in the thicket. Who knows what will happen? But I trust in God. I've already given you everything. Sure, I have sheep. Sure, I have goats. Sure, I have tents. Sure, I'm one of the wealthiest. But you know what? Everything is yours. God looks at Abraham and says, Now I know. Now I know that everything that you have is mine. You're mine. See, God wants, God wants the depth. The story, the ideas, we talk about going deep, and I'm thinking about how going deep. Going deep is not getting a PhD in Bible. Jesus didn't seem real impressed with the Bible scholars of the day. But yet he was very impressed with some really poor women that give a mite or an alabaster jar on his feet or a leper that says thank you. So when we talk about going deep, we're not talking about like, man, let's wrestle with the theological stuff because Jesus looks at the children and says to many of the Bible scholars, these guys are way ahead of you in line. <laughs> it's about the heart. I'm not belittling being a Bible student. But that's not the essence of and go deep. The essence of deep is having love. And love gives all. And the evidence of love is obedience. That's what Jesus says. John 14, if you love me, you'll obey me. The essence of obedience shows that there's love. And if there's love,
Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 10, Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, troubles, hardships, and distress. Verse 5. In beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as un- unknown, dying and yet we live on. That's my favorite one of all time. Dying and yet we live on. That's our story. Dying every day. And yet finding life in him. Beaten and yet not killed. Sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Poor yet making many rich. Having nothing. And yet possessing everything. That is the story of Abraham. That is the story of the disciples. That is the story of Paul. That is the story of Mary of Bethany. yours. My family is yours. My future is yours. My dollars are yours. My hours are yours. All is yours. I have nothing. And by actually denying myself that I get my cross and giving all, I find that I can. How ridiculous if Matthew and Mar, if Matthew and Peter and James, John, Thomas and all those guys, if they said, well, you want me to follow you? Yeah. Okay. Um, let me measure staying here, continuing the fish business, getting a couple cool new nets in a couple years, living in Capernaum, hanging with the fellas, the late night fire in Capernaum doing what first century fishermen do whatever that is let me let me really think about that versus watching the God of the ages transform me over time die on a cross raised from the dead give me a mission I get to be one of the heralders of him forever and I will start raising the dead myself and seeing people healed not just seeing him do it but I do it and then I get my name on one of the 12 foundation stones in the eternal city last for a trillion years I'll do the late night fires in Capernaum see but they had to leave the late night fires in Capernaum and leave everything to gain everything to gain it all is the common story of the gospel over and over. You want to go deep? You will never go deep if you don't surrender everything. 
Paul's not just like, hey, let me just write out some good rhetoric. These things actually happened to him. <laughs> he says this. Beaten. He was beaten with rods. Shipwrecked. He was literally shipwrecked. When he says have, having nothing, he's not like, theoretically. No, he is in a prison cell, has nothing. And yet he goes, but my heart is alive. And I'm fulfilling my mandate given to me by Jesus in Acts 9 when he tells me to stop persecuting Christians and build his church. And I actually see Jesus, makes me blind for a few days, fish fall out of my, fish scales fall out of my eyes, and now I got a mission and a purpose. And I have everything. And I get to... I mean, I'm sure he didn't know that he was writing two-thirds of the New Testament, but he knew that he was smart. He was really helping some churches. I did, I just, I, I've got nothing. I used to have a lot. I used to have a horse or, and a donkey. I got nothing. I used to be well-respected. And now I have to... Go, right to the church in Rome I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power and because nobody respects me but I press on I'm one of the Messiah's misfits that makes sense to the world but I've got no, and that's your joy that's that's and, and, and because so often it's in Bible language we don't get it today but that is your story right here and right now you will have people that look at you and they don't understand. What are you doing? Prayer meeting after prayer meeting. You guys have a, a prayer room going. You, you're going to go spend your afternoon in an empty classroom at a building with flags around it. Are you crazy? You're going to go spend yet another night praying. You're going to an accountability group where you open up Bibles and confess your sins to each other and beckon each other unto an invisible God. Many are going to look at you and go, are you crazy? What's wrong with you? Are you nuts? But the very nature of what we want and who we are, it's because you don't understand. I know that I'm giving up some of the logical resources that I could potentially have. I'm giving up some of the logical applause of man that I could have. I mean, you're good looking and you've got the potential to get uh, an education faster and you could be making more money if tonight you were working as a sandwich artist rather than here. I mean, you've got all kinds of ways. Money, education, power, dating, media, mood. There's a whole lot of other things you could be doing and a whole lot of people look at you and go, why are you doing it? Why are you going and opening up Bibles again with pen and paper and prayer over and over and over again? And deep in your heart, there's this going confession. I have nothing, but I have everything. It's Paul in a Roman prison cell. Whatever is to my gain, I consider a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of Jesus. Sure! Sure, I have less money. Sure, it's taking me a little bit longer to get my education. Sure, I have a little less money in my pocket because, you know, I can't work at the gap as many hours because I keep going to all these prayer meetings. But you have no idea what's going on inside. And the people look at you and go, you're crazy. Give in to the ways of the age, man. Give in to it. See, because I'm convinced. I'm convinced that in this culture, right now, it's not so much 
money. I mean, there's, I mean, in that age, there was far more beggars. We read the stories about the beggars, the, all the different. But, but, but today, like, today, I mean, I mean you, can, you can work for minimum wage and, and have running water and, you know, have food to eat. Now, people, it's not so much the money, how much money you have that people look at you and go, what are you thinking? Today, the scoffers, it's about your time. Because with time, with time, you can fill it with education. You can fill it with entertainment. If you want to get more money, it can be about money. It can be about recreation. It can be about fun. It can be about the good life, surfing on a surfboard somewhere or flying over something or doing something. And the person that's like, I have made a decision that I'm going to deny myself and be obedient unto Jesus, whatever he's called me to do. And in this season, he's called me to go deep in the place of prayer. He's called me to go deep in the place of the scriptures. He's called me to go deep in the place of community and sharing with others. He's called me to go deep in the place of literally giving everything to him and in that place people look at you and go you are crazy Nico's got it right now Nico worship leader he leads worship like every day around here. I was talking to someone in church the other day, and they were like, what's up with that guy? I don't get it. And I go, I get it. I know what's going on with Nico. He's got a holy addiction, and he just would rather sing than try to make more money like what you're wanting him to do. What's going on with Nico? He's not theoretical. You've got it. You have opportunity to make more money, to do more things. Yet, as we say, I must become less. I must become greater. I want him to have everything. We come into the prayer room. So I don't look at you and go, hey, way to go. You're going to some prayer meeting. Yeah. I don't look at you and go, oh, thank you. We just need that room to be so full of people. We just need this room. We're just so glad that seven people showed up to the prayer meeting. No way. I trashed that logic years ago. I look at you guys and I go, 
huh, you're the most ambitious people I know. Not noble. deep? You want to go deep in God? Love much. Love much. You'll be in. You'll be in. It'll take some of you to mud huts in Mexico. It'll take some of you to Europe. It'll take some of you to Africa. It'll take some of you to North Cape. It'll take some of you to the White House. It'll take some of you to, to D.C. It'll take some of you into the world of computers other than the writing. No religious Bible guy can tell you what it's going to look like. All the time. But as you do it, it's not a real deep. And that's the people I know in God. I mean, real deep. Oh, man. just heard one of the speakers from Desperation, a ministry of New Life Church in Colorado Springs. For more information on becoming a Desperation intern, attending one of our conferences, or joining the Desperation National Network for local churches, visit us at desperationonline.com.